Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Sharon Willow. Sharon is a certified marriage and family counselor, bereavement counselor, Reiki practitioner, authentic movement practitioner, and poet. She has years of experience teaching meditation, simple Tai Chi movements, breath and energy techniques, visualization, and writing to relieve stress and create health for a better quality of life. Sharon utilizes this cross-disciplinary approach as she and clients work together to develop the best program to bring to consciousness each individual's strengths and wholeness. She assists individuals in thawing the frozen places of trauma or stressful life circumstances that has caused disease. Sharon supports those who work with her to lean in and allow their unique relationship with grief's rhythm to ebb and flow, encouraging their personal journey with loss to be felt. Through this work, resilience is built, fear lessens, and trust grows as moments of rest and peace develop and strengthen. Sharon assists families with graveside ceremonies as well as helping stage home environments for comfort and healing for living and dying well. She is a death doula, sitting bedside with the dying and supporting families as they say goodbye to loved ones and enter the post-death grief process. Distress and confusion can arise between family members as a loved one dies. Sharon's vast experience working with families in this difficult time helps families find comfort, understanding, and support. Sharon honors each individual's experience, knowing we all grieve differently. Forever changed by loss, Sharon believes as we grow a greater wisdom of self and are allowing grief to be a companion to renewal, we can regain our footing and manage our life's path. Welcome, Sharon, and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Oh, thanks. The topic we have for today is a tough one. It's a tough one for me personally. It weighs heavy on my heart, as I know it does for many of our listeners. In our last podcast, we actually discussed grief resulting from violence with a local community activist, Serena Cotton, whose son was killed by gunfire as she stood across the street in full view of the incident. Serena has used her grief to start several community initiatives at which she continues to memorialize her son and the numerous others who have been killed due to violence in our city and across the country. But today, we want to take a look at this type of grief from a different perspective. So before we go too far, would you take a moment, Sharon, and share a bit of your background with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I started my process of counseling many, many years ago. Um, I won't say how many. (laughs) (laughs) But I started out working in the judicial system in the courtrooms and I was in, um, I would go into lockup in the morning and then come back down into the courtroom when it was time and speak about whether or not someone who was in lockup had the ability to be released on their own recognizance or not. Okay. So that drew me in to wondering how else I could be of an advocate for people. And I went back and got my master's in counseling. And the first job I had out of that process was working at the Rape Crisis Center. Okay. 
and working with victims in that process, um, going through the court system with them when necessary, and then just being a support for them, for their families, training volunteers at the time. And also at that time, the AIDS crisis had just come in. Mm-hmm. And so I was also working with with people who had been diagnosed with AIDS and that right. whole process. And um, so there was a, a lot of trauma going on. Right, right. And so my process has just been working with those who have been in trauma. And over the years, I've kept a private practice going in a small way sometimes and then in larger ways because I was also um, a single parent and raised okay. a few sons. I became a teacher in the Montessori method. Mm-hmm. just to keep myself and my children going, but I've always had a background of wanting to help people when they've been in a traumatic situation. Right. And certainly death and, and dying and the whole grief process is a trauma for so many people in, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. I've had the ability to um, be at graveside with people and help them make ceremonies and then just do follow-up with families as well. Mm-hmm. So um, in my background process, I was also trained in family and marriage through the U of R, through their family and marriage clinic. So I just keep gathering more education and background. Right. And now I'm doing work with hospices and also mm-hmm. being an end-of-life doula and being a bereavement okay. coordinator. Right. And I have my own private practice doing grief therapy as well. Well, you are a busy lady. I was going to say, she wears a lot of hats. (laughs) We single moms have been known to do a few of those things. Yeah, absolutely. We step up when we need to. Exactly, exactly. And even though most times we talk about and we associate grief with death and dying, we all know, too, that in many cases of trauma specifically, grief plays a part just because people have had devastating incidents Mm. happen in their lives. They may have lost an entire lifestyle that they previously knew. Mm -hmm. So grief plays a part regardless. Uh, And with trauma, it's especially devastating. Yes. So from our previous guests, we've established a few theories for ourselves of grief. Grief is different for every person. And we like to compare it to our fingerprints being so unique that each person's grief is that unique. That grief could feasibly last for an entire lifetime although it can change and adapt as we continue our personal journeys to reclaim our lives and re-identify ourselves. Then grief in all its forms, including all emotions and thoughts, is not an illness. Mm -hmm. One of our guests early on, Dr. Bill Webster, gave us the definition that I love, that grief is merely a normal reaction to an unwanted experience. Now, when grief results from a traumatic death, Sharon, do these theories still hold? Are there differences in grief that results from trauma? The theories do still hold, absolutely across the board. And then there's the added complication that traumas bring in. Right. Because if if someone has been, if a child has been murdered, Mm -hmm. the family then has to be involved in the judicial process, which can be traumatic in and of itself. True. I hadn't really considered that. That's an excellent point. Absolutely. And it's something that reverberates out through our community. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the the family is seen as Mm co-victims. And to hold them in that space and to know that they have also been victimized because of what's happened to them. Right. And then the 
the process, as I said, of being in the judicial system. The police are involved. Um, right. There's court court system is involved. Right. All of those pieces can actually stop the quote unquote normal grieving process right. and add those deeper complications. And then you're also having to look at how is my community seeing me? Are they judging me because my child was murdered? And then you have the media. Absolutely. So there's all of those pieces that are complicating and being placed upon that human existence. And how do they deal with that piece? Right. right. So to, to reach out to victims assistance, to reach out for more mm -hmm. assistance in the community, it's so important mm -hmm. because there's so much more going on. Wow. Wow. I, you know, that's an excellent point and perspective that I, I think of the media now and then, because I think, you know, how horrible it must be to be, say, a mother who has just lost their child, whether it be through violence on the streets or an issue in school or even a suicide, it doesn't yes. matter. But to go through that or be going through that and then have the media want to capture it. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't thought of the judicial process. And that, as we know, can last for years. Sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes even not have any result. Yes. So there's no closure. No. So and, that's, and those longer complications. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So my next question is almost a moot point. Does this type of grief last longer? Well, it probably does. Yeah, it certainly can be because of that process. Absolutely. At least the intense phase of grief would last yes. longer. You know, again, we've established that some grief can last for the rest of your life. Of course. My husband died about three years ago, and I know I'm going to grieve his loss for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It's changed even over the three years. But, you know, it's, it's going to linger. But certainly after a trauma, wow. Yeah. So it does last longer, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think especially if you're involved in the court cases or with police or anything, you're things are constantly being brought up over yes. and over and over. Exactly. That replay, it's hard enough that that replay is being played in um, a parent's mind anyway. Right. How my, how my child died, the violence behind it, were right. they suffering? All of those pieces are there anyway. But right. then when you're sitting in the courtroom and having to hear all of that over and over again, right. and possibly also seeing the potential perpetrator Mm -hmm. That that right. just magnifies Certainly. all of that, yes. Yeah, and it has to be addressed. Yeah. Those those feelings of guilt, the feelings of revenge, the feelings of just all of the pain around it, yeah. and shame that the that society might be placing on right. you. Right. It just exacerbates everything. You know, now with social media and everything, you catch yes. the media stories on Facebook, and then you have the peanut gallery. I'll call it commenting. <laughs> Under yes. the stories, you know, like, oh, you know, some, a boy was shot, a 12 year old was shot at like midnight. And then everybody's commenting where, where the parent, why was a 12 year old out at midnight, you know, and that could certainly add to your guilt and your shame and everything. How oh, Stephanie, I agree. Yes. Yeah. And, and they like to build up the drama of it all. Yes. yes. Which is so painful for the family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and your point of the the media, your point of Facebook, I mean, parents parents also have to 
take some of the guilt off of them, some of the blame off of them, because all of that now is being fed into even how their child might have been out of out there at night and have died. We don't we don't have that privacy anymore of being in our house and and of being knowing where our children are or even knowing who they're talking to anymore. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot going on. That's for sure. Is it more likely someone would benefit from seeing a professional after a loss from a trauma or violence instead of dealing with it on their own? I personally, I would say yes, Mm -hmm. um, just because of all the deeper complications and because of how our physical reaction is. You know, a lot of people do end up with post-traumatic stress disorder and with the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system being assaulted at that time, you know, you're in your fight and flight and your body's in that tension and how to assist somebody even just in that process, much less all of the emotional, spiritual all of the mental health pieces that go on with that. And if somebody's mental health before that was in a state of flux and unsure space, then yes, they definitely should be reaching out if they can, because there's lots of resources. Fortunately, our community does have, have resources to be able to reach out to, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. And really it's almost important for their own self care. Yes. Um, to make oh, sure ab- that they the support and guidance of a professional, yes. I think. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah. We're also learning all the statements people in grief do not appreciate hearing uh, at calling hours, the funeral, or even any time after the, their loss. Can you offer us any help after this type of death with something we might say or do uh, in support of those that are impacted? You know, I have to say across the board, one of the largest things when somebody is grieving is to show up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just silence that's needed, but you're there. Your presence is fully and auto- just there. And that you're not holding it for yourself, but you're there for that other person. A lot of times people get caught up in, especially when there's violence, caught up in the own, their own drama about what it would be for them. And they want to start talking about themselves. It's the time to stop right in that moment and realize you are standing next to somebody who is living it, taking a hand and just holding it, being next to them. And then also looking at the bigger picture for their life. What is needed for their life to continue while they're having to hold such a tragedy Does the dog need to be walked? Do their children need to be driven to school? Are there errands that could be run? Is there food that needs to be brought? Is is a grandparent needing some support at Mm -hmm. that time? The reverberation out through their family and then into their larger community, what needs are there? That means you're really truly stepping up and that it's not for your sake, but for theirs first and then for yours. Good advice. Yeah, to be able to just do that. And then all of the vigils that are held are so supportive for families. The flowers that are there, the candles that are lit. It's saying, we know that you don't want to be alone at this point in time. We don't want you to be alone. So here, here is our offering. Right. And sometimes just the presence of people knowing that you are in their thoughts. Yes. Um, speaks volumes. So show up and shut up. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes that's all that's necessary. Right. Yeah. When I think of trauma, I think of incidents like the Twin Towers, school shootings, car accidents, and all of that. Like violence, these are totally unexpected, sudden, and devastating. When you first meet a family after this sort of incident, where do you start and what do you say to them? My first reaction is that I'm sorry that such a tragedy has happened to the family. Mm -hmm. And then I sit quietly and then I ask, how are you being affected by all of this now? What's happening in your family now and who is most deeply being affected in it? Because everybody is. Yeah. It's, it's not just that parent, it's the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents. Who in their family is there for support? Who are the friends that are most involved? It is a time for them to be able to share their story and to share it over and over again as many times as they need to, because their story needs to be shared. To sit in silence with such pain only exacerbates the process. We have to move with grief, through grief, and find ways to not stop the process. And yes, of course, we need to, you know, move out of it from time to time to have that ebb and flow, to go for a walk, to have the remembrance of normalcy mm -hmm. in the process as well, because that holds our mental health too. But when I'm working with a family, it's about them. It's about all of what they're having to hold to be a witness for them of their pain in their process and, and to be there again, to just show up. And then to be able to give ideas about, you know, how else can you manage this? What have you tried? What has worked? What doesn't work? Where can we move in this process with you to help you understand all of the normalcies of what you're feeling, all the tragedy that has happened, what's going on for you physically, what's going on for other people, and then to look at the individual process for everybody in the family. Because everybody's going to be doing this differently. You know, somebody might be saying, oh, my son's locked himself in his room and we're really worried that, you know, he won't talk to us about it. Well, what's he doing in his room? Is is music helping? Are his, is he talking to friends? What are the pieces that are helping him? Mm -hmm. To have an understanding of everybody's different process and to not be judging it. Right. It's mm -hmm. the last thing anybody needs is to be judged while they're in such devastating pain. Right. Yeah. And do you find sometimes that people have difficulty even describing to you what they're feeling? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's a time to just be sitting, sitting in that quiet with them mm -hmm. and then asking questions, you know, the simple questions, are you able to eat? Are you sleeping? How are you caring for yourself right now? Because that deep care needs to be even more so now. Right. Yeah. And for somebody who's not used to taking their, the time to care for themselves, it can right. be a burden in and of itself. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah. To, to encourage that mm -hmm. first and foremost, you know, and, and, and then talking about getting a massage. Have you ever had a massage? There more and more people now are, you know, reaching out and saying, how do I care for my body? Right. 
And then, you know, I do energy work sometimes with people okay. as well. And to be able to, to work with their bodies to, to tell them, you know, even, even getting a foot massage, even going home at night and putting oil on your feet so that your right. nervous system can get nourished. Right. How are you nourishing that? Mm -hmm. So talking to people about all of those different pieces. Okay. And then how do you hold, how do you still hold on to that essence of the person who's died? Yeah. How, how are you remembering your child? How are you wanting to honor your child? Saying that child's name is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Right. And then telling their support group, you know, bringing their support group in and saying, these are the things that can help. But please always remember to say the child's name. Right, right. You are not doing harm. You are doing help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I've seen some quotes out there about that, you know, about speaking their name. Yes. And, and not holding back from doing that at all. Absolutely. As you work with these families or individuals throughout the process, and I imagine for, for you as a therapist, probably for some, it's years that you're working with them. Is there a way or how do you yourself think that it's time to not really let them go, but they don't need me now? You know, they're, they're, they're good to go. They can take the rest of the journey on their own. What signals or what symptoms or what signs do you look for so that you know for yourself it's time? That's a really great question because a lot of people would want to come every day forever. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, sure. And to just see normalcy coming in, a new normal of how they're, how they're holding things. You know, I've realized that as you're sitting here talking to me, that you're starting to go back out again that friends are asking you and, you, and you're saying yes, okay. where a couple of months ago you were saying no. Okay. You know, you're starting to go back out of the house again. Right. You're speaking about your child differently now. Okay. And you're not speaking about it with the tragedy as much as you did. Okay. So there's just small little signs that start coming in. Okay. And then I start saying, you know, let's see each other in a few weeks rather than just every weekly. Right. Let's see each other in another month. And when you can see the, the face either be comfortable with that or a little unprepared, you know, I'm here. And if something does come up, you can still make that phone call. However, right. I'm seeing that things are starting to feel right. less complicated, mm -hmm. right. that you're starting to trust yourself more mm -hmm. because... Yeah. Our internal trust gets so broken when that label of being a parent gets broken and we are scattered to the wind and we feel like we're out in that space of drowning. Mm -hmm. Of course we need people and of course we need more. But as those pieces start coming into a new structure because they've been able to trust themselves more, they can trust mm -hmm. their support system then I start moving back and allowing and saying, you know what, this is what I'm noticing now. How wonderful that this piece has now come in for you. Yeah. That to me, Sharon, sounds like you're an excellent therapist mm -hmm. because it's sort of a weaning process. Right. And it's almost, it's almost what we do as parents, really. Yeah. 
is our children yes. get a little bit older mm-hmm. and they can start to make some of the decisions themselves. And we start to have that parental trust that they're okay now. They yeah. can they can do this. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. And it just sounds like a, a delicate, but a healthy process. Mm-hmm. It really does. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Are there any books, movies, films, or the like that you can suggest to our listeners that maybe like to read, uh, that like to discover, whether it's a novel that you think might be helpful, or again, maybe a movie or something that they might watch to give them some more insight, I think, into what people who have trauma-related grief. I do have a couple of books that I have recommended to many families. Um, Thriving After Trauma is one. It's by Sherry Botwin. B-O-T-W-I-N, The Death of an Adult Child. Mm -hmm. That's by Jean Webster Blank. Okay. And Shattered, Surviving the Loss of a Child. That, I've seen that book. That's by Gary Rowe. He's actually been a guest for us a couple of times. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And Healing Resistance. Healing Resistance. And that's a radically different response to harm. And that's by Kazu Haga, K-A-Z-U-H-A-G-A. Good. I like to accumulate some of these resources in case Mm. we have a listener that might email us or something, and then I can offer them something in a response as well. Absolutely. So thank you. You're welcome. I know there are bereavement groups and some that have a special focus. Are there resources we can offer our listeners that might offer support for this kind of loss, whether it's a website or a national organization they can go to? Well, I I assume that um, when Serena was with you, Serena Cotton um, yes. was with you, she talked about Resolve of Rochester. She did not mention Resolve. She was talking uh, okay. mostly and about Ro- Rock the Peace. Oh, okay. Well, there's Resolve of Rochester and also Rise Up Rochester. And yeah. Rise Up Rochester does a group. Okay. Um, and I think that's on Saturdays. I'm sorry, I don't remember, but I'm, I'm pretty okay. sure that's on Saturdays. And then also the National Organization of Parents of Murdered Children. Okay. They're called POMC. Right. They were founded years ago by Robert and Charlotte Hollinger in Ohio, their website is extraordinary. They have so many resources um, and it's specifically for parents of murdered children. Okay. All right. And then Compassionate Friends is here in Rochester. They are a group that meets over at the um, First Unitarian Church. Okay. And they meet on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. And I can give you the person um, to call as well. His name is Steve. And the phone number is 727-9584. Compassionate Friends. Do they have a website? Do you know? I believe so. Okay. And it's right. through I'll the... I'll look it up. Yeah, it's through the um, First Unitarian Church okay. as well. Right, and great. then I have to say, people need to be listening to your podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. And, <laughs> and also going on the website, What's Up Grief? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, What's Your Grief is a really great website for people Mm -hmm. as well. Right, right. Yeah. Good. Well, it looks like our time is growing short. Sadly, I could talk to you, I think, for a long, long time, Sharon. (laughs) Well, thank you. um, We want to give you some time to just share with our listeners anything special you would like them to know, whether it's about 
the organization that you work with, whether it's just something that's near and dear to your heart, this is your chance to connect directly with our listeners with our questions leading the way. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like, first of all, to say thank you so much. And I am available for grief counseling. I work through Monarch Integrative Care. And um, there is a website that people can go on for Monarch Integrative Care to be able to get in touch with me. But I wanted to take a moment, if if you don't mind, um, for mind just something personal. Please. I would like to take a moment of silence to recognize all of the children who have unfortunately been taken off the planet by violence and to also recognize the grief that their families are feeling, to be able to have a moment of silence and also to light a candle for them. Absolutely. So I would like to do that. Lead the way, Sharon. So with the candle being lit, I just want to have a moment of silence. Thank you for that. And I would like to kind of close with, um, this is, this is a beautiful little book. Um, it's called a grateful heart and it has lots of wonderful prayers in it. Um, and just little sayings and blessings. It's something that my children and I used for many years at the dinner table. Um, I just wanted them to know of support and ways to just be able to, to say something special at dinner. Right. But there's a prayer that I think just really speaks to what we're talking about today. Perfect. We pray for children who sneak popsicles before supper, who erase holes in math workbooks, who can never find their shoes. We pray for those who stare at photographs from behind barbed wire, who can't bound down the street in a new pair of sneakers, who never counted potatoes who were born in places we can't, wouldn't be caught dead, who never go to the circus, who live in an X-rated world. We pray for children who bring us sticky kisses and fists full of dandelions, who hug us in a hurry and forget their lunch money. We pray for those who never get dessert, who have no safe blanket to drag behind them, who watch their parents watch them die, who can't find any bread to steal, who don't have rooms to clean up, whose pictures aren't on anybody's dresser, whose monsters are real. We pray for children who spend all their allowance before Tuesday, who throw tantrums in the grocery store and pick at their food, who like ghost stories, who shove dirty clothes under their bed and never rinse out the tub, (laughs) who get visits from the tooth fairy, who don't like to be kissed in front of the carpool, who squirm in church or temples and scream in the phone, whose tears we sometimes laugh at and whose smiles can make us cry. And we pray for those who nightmares come in the daytime, who will eat anything, who have never seen a dentist, who aren't spoiled by anybody, who go to bed hungry and cry themselves to sleep, who live and move but have no being, We pray for children who want to be carried and for those who must, for those we never give up on, and for those who don't get a second chance, and for those we smother 
and for those who will grab the hand of anybody kind enough to offer it. That's a beautiful saying by Inna J. Hughes. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. The visions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I must take a deep breath and say thank you once again, Sharon. And to our listeners, all of Sharon's contact information will be on our website, and it will also be in the episode notes for the podcast apps and the podcast itself. This is, as I said at the beginning, a tough topic. It's not gotten any easier, but I feel I have more awareness of the issue and an increased, for certain, amount of empathy for those that are living this horror day by day. Mm-hmm. So until next week, listeners, please take care of yourselves. Look around you and take care of others as well. And remember to show up, but don't say anything necessarily. Just show up and let people know you care. Catch us next time. Thanks for listening as we all live and grieve. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.